everything was great except that Hallmark ending. <laughs> Just kidding. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, praise God. Uh, that was uh, kind of mess, messed me up a little bit, but um, praise God. So glad to have uh, Chris and Haley on the trip. They were um, on our team amongst the, the older half, but they acted like the youngest, especially Haley. Uh, she was not letting anyone sleep, always wanting to play and wake them up and, and slap them and hit them and things like that. Um, as you saw, we did a lot of things on this mission trip, um, a lot of different ministries. What was it all for, and what is it that brings God joy? Uh, I want to talk briefly from Luke chapter 15. So if you have it, um, Luke 15, uh, 1 through 10. Um, this is a very famous chapter in the Bible where Jesus tells one parable about three things, each of them getting lost, a sheep, a coin, and a son. We're just going to read the first two. I'm actually going to focus on the second of the three. This is God's word. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is God's word. Just so many different things that we did, and you saw um, pictures of all of them. We led worship services, we uh, taught children, we did dental ministry, we did construction, we did skits. Um, But what was all that for? Out of all of these things, fellowship, house church, small groups, all of the different things that we did, what is it that brings the utmost joy to God? Um, Just two thoughts, real simple. Um, The first thing is this, uh, God's joy is the greatest. God's joy is greatest when sinners get saved. Okay, that's, that's it. God's joy is the greatest when sinners get saved. Why do we do all of the things that we do? Why do we make a dentist like John Kim dance for 30 seconds all by himself? Why? To open up the hearts of people to talk about the contagious love of God. Why do we meet the physical needs of people knowing that they too will one day perish? We meet those needs so that they can hear and have an avenue with which to hear the gospel, the life-changing message of the grace of God. Why do we build these church buildings when they can, we can meet anywhere we want to? We can meet anywhere. Why do we do all all of these things? Because God's joy is the greatest when one soul is saved. And this is where there is, it says here um, in verse uh, verse 6, this sheep gets lost. Um, calls his friends and neighbors together, says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Verse 7, I tell you, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. 
than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He's saying, you could get 99 people together and they can be having the most amazing worship time, but there is more joy when one lost person comes home. There's more joy in heaven for that one soul than there is for 99 people to gather and just have a great time worshiping the living God. See, in this passage, it goes from 100 to 10 to 2. The, the, the pain associated with losing something is proportional uh, to the value of that object. Uh, you lose a file on your computer, that can be painful. If it's a research paper, that's a little bit more painful than just a, uh, maybe uh, an email that didn't really mean much. You lose a file, the pain associated with loss is proportional to the value of that object. Your, um, your, your car gets stolen, that's one thing. Your family gets taken, that's another thing. The, vow, the, the, the pain of, of loss um, is commensurate, is proportionate to the value of that object, but the joy that you feel in finding an object is also proportional to the value of that object and its worth in your eyes. And so God is saying there is nothing of greater worth, there's nothing of greater significance, there's nothing of greater value than to see one individual singular soul be brought home to the embrace of the Father because of Jesus Christ. This, it talks about this coin. What is this coin all about? The coin is, just, they, they, when they lost one, first of all, the sheep, a hundred and they don't lose one. They don't say, well, I've got 99 left. I'll just let that one wander off. They left everything behind in order to pursue after this one. The same thing with the, with the coin. She has 10 of them. She doesn't say, well, I've got nine left. I'll just let that one slide. The value of the coin is not so much... It, in any coin, the value of a coin, the silver coin in these days, was because the image of God was inscribed upon that coin. And that's why he compares us to a coin. He says no matter how defaced that image of God gets, the reality remains that that coin, that child, that person is made in the image of God. And because of that, he will forever be worthy of infinite value to God. And you saw pictures of these children whose bodies were mangled by the effects of sin and, and by birth defects and whatever it might be, abuse. You look at their lives, and, and, and a lot of people in this world have forgotten about them. That orphanage is con- concerned that they're going to have to close down because the government doesn't fund them. No one cares about them. They're just waiting for them to die out. But when you look at them through the eyes of God, you see that no matter how mangled and how dirtied and how sullied the image of God in them is, the fact will never change that they too are made in the image of God and supremely and eternally and infinitely precious to God. There is nothing that gives God greater joy than to see a sinner come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. This is the first thing. The second thing is that God will stop at nothing in order to see this happen. If you look in this, this passage in verses 8 through 10, it talks about um, a woman lighting a lamp, sweeping the house, searching carefully until she finds it. Because homes in those days were very small, not like um, you know, many of the homes here in America, but homes were very small. They were made out of mud and they would throw straw on top of it. They didn't have windows. And so in order to search for a missing coin, she would have to obviously light a lamp in order to see, but she would have to rip up all of the straw, take up everything. And this is not just like she stops everything in order to look for this one lost coin. And she will stop at nothing in order to see this coin brought back into the arms of its owner. And in the same way, Jesus is saying that he too would stop, that God the Father will stop at nothing in order to see this soul come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
I'm just going to illustrate this by telling you a story of one person that we encountered, and then I'm done. We come to the table of grace to remind ourselves of what this all means in our lives. But there's a, a man named Roberto. I don't know if it's, is there a picture coming up? Okay. Um, at the, the bottom. So we, we were at this nursing home, and um, after we had done our presentation, we each went and, and we broke up into, into groups, and um, Kenny walked into this room with this guy, Roberto. And so... Uh, seeing as everyone else was paired up, I, I walked in with him and we just sat down and um, we didn't have all that much time. So we just said, hey, can we, um, can we pray for you? And the, the, the nurse on staff said, yeah, you could pray, but here's his most specific prayer request is he's, he's hopeless. Right? He's got family around, but they never come and visit him. Um, he's just depressed, um, hasn't smiled for the longest time. Right? This is my experience of it. Um, you could ask Kenny later. Um, to fill in some of the other details. And so hearing as how he was hopeless, just began to speak hope into him. That there's a God who brings uh, hope. This world is broken and it's hopeless. It's despairing because this is the, the, the fallen condition that we're in. Um, this world doesn't give hope. It, it takes hope away from us. It just gives despair. But there's a God who came into this world and he brings hope to the hopeless, joy to the despairing, right? life to the dying, and just kind of contrasting the ways of Christ with the world. And he's just sitting there listening, and um, I was ready to, to pray for him. And then our translator, a guy named Richard, says, do you want to know more about the love of God? And he says, see, and he nods his head. And so he looks at me, and he tells me, okay, he wants to hear more, so I, I just keep talking. Told him about how there's a, a love in this world that goes beyond reason, that we go through this life searching for love, and people will fail us all the time. We try and satisfy the longings of our heart with so many different things, but there's, a, there's a, the whole, the shape of a cross that only Jesus Christ is big enough and good enough and strong enough and loving enough to satisfy that need in our hearts that we're all created with. And I just began to, to talk to him about that and, and said, do you want to know more about this? And as we're talking more and more, just um, our, our translator is getting riled up and Kenny's just got his hand on him as he was here and he's just praying for him. Just praying that his eyes would be open to see the hope of Jesus Christ. And as we're, we're talking and just continually pouring into to him, uh, he says, I want it. And I want this Jesus. And so just began going through the four spiritual laws that God loves you, that he has a plan for your life. This plan has been marred by sin, that you have sinned. You've hurt yourself. Other people have hurt you. You've hurt other people. But God sent Jesus. That's why he came. To undo the curse, to do for, what you, for, for you what you could never do on your own. And each of us needs to choose to accept Christ or to reject him. And he said, I want him. And I want Jesus in my life. And so we began to pray. And as he's praying, I just, um, it just, he, he's just speaking these things aloud. And, and as we finish the prayer, like visibly, right, his face, his countenance just begins to change. And there's this, like, this, this brightness to him. And he begins to smile for, for the first time in probably years. And our translator is saying, you will laugh. You, you're going to laugh. Say, repeat after me. I'm going to laugh. And he said, I'm going to laugh. I have joy. I have hope. I have purpose. And his just complete demeanor begins to change. And he's crying. And we're telling him, these are not cries of tears of sadness anymore. These are tears of joy. These are tears of joy. And he says, yes, these are tears of joy. My life is changed. And I think about after 70 plus years of living life in this way, I just begin to think of this song. It says, take this world from me. I don't need it anymore. I am finally free. My heart is spoken for. And the second verse in the song says, um, I finally found a peace um, I've never known before. I find myself complete. 
my heart is spoken for. And I think of all the years of pain, 70 plus years of, of not being able to smile, of feeling hopeless, feeling in despair. In one moment, the greatest news that the world will ever know transforms his life and he's a new creation in Jesus Christ. He's smiling and he's laughing. He's shedding tears of joy. He understands that his life has been completely changed. And he says to us, you know what? God sent you here for me. I think, is there no price? Is there no, is there no cost too high for God to pay? That 14 people in that place traveling 2,000 miles, 1,976 miles from Orlando to Quito. He says, you came for me. This is thousands of miles. You put together the sum total of dollars and miles. And he says, you came. God sent you here for me. And later, the nurses would tell us that twice he's tried to commit suicide. He didn't even want to come. But in this one moment, because God will stop at nothing to save his life. This is what life is about, my friends. It's great for us to gather, and I love doing this, but we're gathered in order to scatter so that other lost people might be brought home to Christ. And I want this to be what we're about. I want my life to be about this. We just have one of these, one of these lives, and like Chris said, we don't know when it's going to end. But there are people that are just waiting for us to drop that invitation, to translate in the way that they understand, and to believe with all of our hearts that what he says is true, that lives can be changed with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ as people begin to pray for the lost to come home. I know price is too high. In fact, God saved us at the most a sheep. God sent his son to be the lamb of God, unlike any other, that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but it was one lamb of God who never wandered, never strayed from the fold of God. And yet he took the punishment and the curse that you and I deserved. And God slayed the lamb of God so that we might have life and have it in eternity. There is one coin that was lost, but Jesus Christ God did not redeem us with silver or gold, but with a treasure far more precious than these. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you, and it was shed for me, it was shed for Roberto, it was shed for all. And he's calling us to go. As we gave him the word of God, he clutched onto the word of God, and and we commissioned him. He said, we're going to come back here next year, and this place is going to be changed. You're going to be so much better. Your life changed from now, and you're going to be filled with joy. You're going to be filled with hope, and you're going to be an ambassador. You're going to preach the gospel. The same message that changed you, you're going to bring hope to this house, and this house is going to be transformed. And he said, yes, that's my calling. That's my mission in life. For my, from now until my dying day, until I breathe my last, I'm going to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to those who need to know. We don't have any excuses. He's paralyzed. He's in a wheelchair, but he's going to take that life-giving message and he's going to proclaim it as far as he can. There's no excuse, people of God. I have no excuse. I have no excuse not to go and to preach the gospel until as many people as I can share the gospel with have heard. And we have no reason not to go if we have experienced the grace of God. The calling in our lives is clear and it's evident, it's personal, and it's for each of us to go into the world and to preach the gospel. It is the good news and it's the greatest news that our world could ever know. As we reflect on all that has been shared today, I pray, guys, that we would feel the weight as much joy as there was in Kenny and in me when we saw this life transformation, 
from suicidal to celebratory in Christ. As much joy as there was in us, there was an even greater joy in Roberto. That life finally makes sense because of Christ. And as much joy as there was in that hotel, in that, in that, uh, in that room, in that nursing home, God threw a party that day in the presence of all of his angels, celebrating that a lost child has come home to the Father into the eternal embrace of God. Let's not stop believing. See, the reason why God blesses evangelistic efforts is because God desires that people everywhere will be saved. When we pursue that calling, we're not fighting against God. We're moving in line with the stream of God that is working to bring salvation to sinners. And he's calling us to to not live for other streams, to not try and discern the will of God. The will of God is clear. He wants the lost to be saved. Move in that people of God. That's our calling, to just move into that stream and to let the Spirit of God carry us. Where the will of God is, the blessing of God will follow. Let's pray a prayer of surrender, of commitment, of dedication. Let's pray, God, help me. There are people in my life that I need to be bolder in sharing about. I need to be more faith-filled in praying about. There are people that I need to just take a step of faith and say, I don't care if they reject me, if they make fun of me. I need to share this hope because the best that can happen is that their lives will forever be changed. The worst is that they make fun of me. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord God that he would give us this kind of a heart. Let's, let's pray. If you want to pray quietly, you can. If you want to pray aloud, you can. But let's pray with a prayer of commitment and sincerity. God, help me to feel what you feel, to see what you see, and to reach out to those in need. Let's pray together. Let's, uh, let's pray as we come to the Lord's table that God would give us a heart that understands the grace of God within our lives. Let's pray that we would have eyes wide open to see that Jesus did this not only for Roberto, not only for our bus driver Santiago in Ecuador who gave his life to Christ, not only for the children who responded to the gospel call, not only to those elderly folks in the nursing home, but he did that for you. That Jesus Christ If you were the only one on planet earth, the only one alive, he would have still come and shed his blood for you. This is the individual and personal and particular love of God. Let's pray that as we approach the throne, the table of grace, that we would understand that in all of its fullness, so that we might be able to be renewed in our hearts as we commit ourselves to him again. So let's pray for just a a couple minutes right now as we prepare our hearts to approach the Lord's Supper.
Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Maybe we have been walking with you for so long that the life-giving, joy-inducing love of Christ has become old and our hearts have become hard. Jesus, soften and melt our hearts all over again. Remind us of the wonder of it all and the beauty of grace and the electrifying nature of the gospel that changes hearts and gives new life and causes us to go. We pray, Father, that you would move within our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Stir us to remembrance. For those who are not uh, children of God, for those who haven't put their wholehearted trust in you, to be Savior and Lord, I pray that you would convict and speak. And even through watching this table and singing these songs, that you would become more personal and real to each of us. We thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.